looks up. Oh, hello. Didn't see you come in. Puts book down. Welcome. It doesn't really it doesn't really make any sense, does it? Anyway, whatever. Hey, it's uh Spencer. Um I guess uh yeah, sat, sat, Sunday, uh, I text Kevin, is there a show today? Oh, no show. So I was like, what? I was ready to do a show. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess we weren't ready to do a show, but I was. I don't know if the world was ready to listen to a show, but who knows. So um, anyway, um, I figured I wanted to put something in your feed. So I'm pulling an old episode of Master Manual my podcast on Dungeons and Dragons. Um, this is an episode where I interview a dungeon master named Bodie Hartley, um, who's an amazing uh, artist, Instagrammer. He's, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. You should check him out. At Bodie H, I believe, is where you can find most of his stuff. On Instagram is where I like to connect to him. He has a website. I think it's called slowquest.com anyway. But so, yeah, you're going to be hearing me interview him. Um, so sorry if that's a bummer. I don't know. Whatever. You know, I don't know. I, I listen to so many fucking podcasts, you guys. And it's not like I can't stomach an empty, empty thing. But, you know, I'd rather be the, as an audience, I'd rather be the one that's like, ugh. This is filler. I'm going to skip and listen next episode, you know. Um, I'd rather be that. I'd rather decide and not have the people go, you know, it's better to just send nothing than send something that the audience might not like. I don't know. I don't know. What the fuck? What the the fuck am I talking about? Why am I even doing this? Oh, um, oh, I know I'm doing this because it's January and I have started my fucking Spytreon. So, um... If you want to support my Spytreon, go to, where do you even go? I think it's patreon.com slash the Sixler, right? Patreon.com slash the Sixler to find my Patreon? Yeah. No, that's what you do. Go check it out. We're going we're gonna to be generating a lot of spite. Um, that's, that's the hope. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But so... <laughs> So I was like, I'm going to be launching in January, um, you know, first episode of the, week, of the year, you know, talk about it. And then, uh, you know, oh, no episode this week. So I'm like, well, fuck that. I got to get the word out, bitches. Um, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I'm talking. Um, anyway, what else? Uh, in Nazi news, the Nazis are out of at it again. Um, what are they, what have they been doing? Um, I just saw on, on <laughs> Twitter, there's this, uh, uh, hashtag or, you know, a trend called, uh, mass formation psychosis, uh, which is a term, I guess it's a real psychological term that's meant to refer to, um, like people like a in mass kind of in, in, in like, uh, witnessing and indulging in a mass delusion and kind of uh psychosis you know that's part of the name um and you know part of why it comes it's you know it's been in the news at some point is because people are like that's what's happened with the society and donald trump has created this mass formation psychosis it's kind of like turning everyone to nazis whatever um but so more recently a guy went on joe rogan uh you know a right winger and was like this is what's happening the left is (laughs) has the mass formation psychosis um because they're you know listening to the the science about covid and isn't that the real being brainwashed i don't don't fucking know but um 
Uh, so that's what they're doing. Those Nazis are, are, they were really jerking themselves off about how the left is mass formation, psychosising, And I don't know. The takeaway I had is to me, that indicates certainly not everybody, but it indicates there's some subconscious <laughs> recognition, um, of like how fucked these people are. I feel like, you know, like if you had these dreams that like angels were s screaming at you to stop and begging you to stop, but you couldn't decode that like, oh, that meant I'm making terrible decisions that my subconscious is telling me to stop making, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I feel like if they're, if they're like, oh, this perfectly explains what the left is doing. They're dealing with mass formation and psychosis. I think the only reason they're like buying into that is because some subconscious urge is like seeing like, oh, I'm wrong. I, I've known I've been wrong, you know, I, and I don't think they can access any of these thoughts. So like, it doesn't matter. I don't think any of these people should be saved, whatever. I'm just saying to me, it kind of indicates that on some subconscious level because they're projecting it. I, I guess that's the subtext that I should make clear. They're projecting it onto other people. Um, what's clearly going on in, in their life. I mean, you know, it's really interesting to, to think about how projection kind of, you know, can reflect someone's inner mental state. Um, I like to think about projection all the time. Anytime I have a problem with people, I'm like, I'm projecting, but, but so it's really interesting to think about projection, <laughs> but it's really interesting to think about like this entire right wing that it is essentially in a death cult. Um, in favor of a virus, um, <laughs> you know, why are they acting this way? And even they, like some subconscious level are reacting to this information being like, that feels true somehow. How does that, ah, I can't, I can't quite put my finger on, ah, that, yes, no, but that idea, yes, there's something about that. Oh, it must be the libs, the evil libs, of course, because that idea rings so true to me. <laughs> You know, I don't know, which is which is which is interesting. I don't think it changes anything, um, but to me, it's interesting. Uh, and maybe it's a complete misreading of the situation. Anyway, um, yeah. So without further ado, enjoy in do without further ado, enjoy a special edition interview with Bodhi, a cool artist and dungeon master living the dream and arting around abroad. Oh, yeah. When I interviewed him, it was in person. When did we do this? This was like December, no, November 2018. And he was actually in America. He lives in like uh, Australia, right? Um, and, and he's like an artist and he was, he was doing an art residency in America at the time. Um, but, oh, and I think Bodhi has a podcast called the Slow Quest Podcast. Anyway, um, sorry about all this. Uh, I hope you enjoy sounds that are on the sound file. Welcome to a special, just a section, just a segment, an interview segment of Master Manual. I got, I'm Spencer Crittenden, you know me, Cohen, oh, um, I didn't even, whatever, I didn't think about <laughs> I'm here, I'm here with my buddy Bodie, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> 
Is that how you pronounce it? It's good. Yep, that's that's correct. Um, I we we talked about him a tiny bit on the podcast on the Instagram page. I've shouted out his account. Um, he's uh, I met him from as a Harmontown fan. He gave me a Slow Quest booklet, which is something he makes. He's a DM, an artist, a creative, a map maker, a cartographer. I don't know what you want. Any add some titles to that? No, that sounds great. I, I wish. Wish I could be introduced like that all the time. Lore master, Imagineer, um, yeah, and uh, yeah. So what's what's up with you, huh? Oh, not much. I'm visiting LA for for an unrelated to D and D job. Right. Well, let's uh, let's we're gonna cut that out. And how about you visited LA just to do this podcast, and you flew yourself out to do it? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, thank you so much for making it out here. And uh, no, we just wanted to, I, I don't know, something people have recommended is interviewing DMs. And so you were coming out here and we were like, oh, we should get some drinks or something. And then I was like, wait a second. I had this crazy dumb idea. And so this is it. Um, so how, how long how long have you said you've been, uh, how long have you been DMing? Um, probably like six years, like mm-hmm. less than I would have hoped. Like I tried to get into it a long time before that, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what was your experience with RPGs prior to that then? honestly just like video games that, mm-hmm. that was it really like yeah. um i used to uh, probably the closest thing to dnd would be like making i used to play with like with rpg maker and like right. fiddler with the stats and yeah. stuff like that yeah i played that too <laughs> um so so it was video games and then six years ago you started playing rpgs through dming mostly or playing um at first I, a few of my friends were trying to learn and they i got into the game through through that and I don't know. I think being a creative person, I just immediately started writing my own right. stuff. Like, even though I wasn't using it anyway, I just started drawing maps and characters and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, when I was a kid, that's I drew maps and drew little characters even before I knew what D&D was. And so I was like, there's a thing for that? I was like, yeah. And I was just instantly drawing dungeons. Yeah. So I totally know what you mean. So you started with D&D? Um, yeah. As a system. Yeah. 3.5. Right. Um, that was the first. And it was so overwhelming. Like... Because I came into it so late in right. 3.5's history, it was like <laughs> a million books of content, yeah. which is so overwhelming, but also really cool. Did you buy all the books or did you borrow them from your friends or what was your access? Um, I think a lot of it was just looking up like SRDs on, right. on the internet, but I, I, I really liked the original books and I think they did a re-release shortly after I started. So I like bought these oh, yeah, yeah. books. Right. I I had the three sets and then the three point five sets also and oh yeah I had I had so many I've sold a fair amount of them but and then there was a bunch of other ones I just had on PDF too, um but so how did what was like what was the first stuff that you started making I don't even know if you remember that kind of do you remember your earlier games, um I'm trying yeah so the first my first game is actually one that's still running now oh wow and six, the, from six years ago yeah yeah it was same same group a few okay. people have dropped in and out but uh-huh. the, the core like three players are still there mm-hmm. um yeah i i think it was like started in like a, a a mining camp and then a castle fell from the sky onto the mountain that they were mining and one of the characters was this sort of um old man who was naked and had no idea what had happened and that was sort of the the mm-hmm. beginning of that that campaign was that inspired by community 
Oh, that's true. At least not intentionally. Well, I, I don't mean to do... No, no, no. Maybe. Wait, what, what's the timeline for that? Would that have... I just... I'm not trying. Don't worry about <laughs> it. It's not... I'll cut it out. No, no. I'm cool with that. <laughs> just... I, I remember uh, one time I was doing... Like, I someone asked me about the Infinifish, and they were like, is it from Gears of War? And I was like, uh, what? No. And they're like, oh, yeah. In Gears of War, you got to blow up the organs of, like, a giant worm thing. And I was like, oh, wow. It's kind of one-to-one. Well, I um, mean, even like pretty much all of fantasy is some sort of strange right. fan fanfic, like, you know? <laughs> right. That's the thing is that like, you know, if you look at the real lore and then you look at what D&D and uh, Tolkien have created, it's all, we're all just riffing, we're ripping off Tolkien's only interpretation, you know? Even the goblin looks like, it. even Warcraft, World of Warcraft has vastly different uh, mythos, but a lot of it's still based on Tolkien. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know, gob- I don't whatever. I'll get off of it. Um, so that's crazy. So you have all the characters. Have you had a lot of character deaths? Yeah. So, I mean, I say it's the same campaign. It's set in the same world, but we did switch characters. So they've crossed paths about halfway. Mm -hmm. Some of the characters died and then they restarted with new characters. Right. But then since then, like they traveled back to where they had been before and sort of saw this development of like (laughs) a few of the characters had like a typical thing of like they bought a tavern and so they actually stayed in that tavern and all this. It was it was pretty pretty fun to do to like yeah. revisit all this old stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super cool. How often do you play? Um, I would say, well, originally we tried for like once a month, mm-hmm. and then for some reason that just never worked, and like it would end up being like once every two months, once every three months, and then we like. I don't know what it, it's like the opposite of a normal group thing where yeah. we were like, we're going to play every Monday, mm-hmm. every week. And we managed to do it for like a long time. Like we played right. every Monday. Like, I think because we were trying to do it on Saturdays and like there's always stuff on there, but no one ever does stuff on a Monday in our group. So yeah. it just worked. Right. Yeah. Weekends are always a tenuous time because they, they get replaced by plans without mm. even think like you don't even think about a lot of times you're like, Oh yeah, the weekend I want to go to the beach. And it's like, Oh yeah. D and D. And then it's like, I guess I'm not playing. So yeah, the uh, sleepy days is a great way to make it happen. But that's so crazy. What do you do now? I mean, are you still playing? Yeah, so not as much, but um, because I've moved away from Australia now. So um, about five months ago, I left to like explore Europe and do Mm -hmm. more illustration. And I've been trying to do like um, just video call DMing, which it seems to work. And I I think all the other people just sit on a couch with a camera on them. Oh, so they're in the same place. Yeah. So, so that all... cuts through a lot of the bullshit. Cause you're the one side, you're the DM side. So there's already a separation. And so you're, you're not being really limited by the separate. You're kind of just playing into it. And then they still have all that's great. Yeah. And they set me up on a giant TV and put the DM screen in front of the TV. <laughs> <laughs> you got to send me pictures of that. That sounds so good. Oh, man, that's so awesome. I mean, you're really fucking nailing it, huh? You should be doing a podcast about DMing. <laughs> What's, uh, how, do you, how do you approach it? Like, uh, I don't know. Like, So if I'm thinking about an idea, first I'll get, like, say, a seed idea, and then I'll either build out a map or build out a, a plot line or build out a character, and then I'll kind of fill out the other details so that I have some characters, some idea of a flow of events, and then some idea of the map, and then I kind of fill out those three elements until I have enough places for them to be going and then some stuff to be doing that I feel like I can fill out a session usually. I, I think my, I guess it's similar. Like I, I'm really bad with plot 
Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't think I'm a good like plot developer. So like generally plot or just any plot to be honest. Like I end up what I do is I just make content. Uh-huh. Kind of like what I, I do on my Instagram, I just make stuff. Yeah. And I just fill in an area that roughly I know they might go. Um, I find whenever I do plot, it just becomes so railroaded. Right. That I actually try and avoid making... It's just, here are some people doing some stuff and maybe that'll lead to something. like, And that sort of works out better for me. Right. When it comes to like either railroading or having an idea of what happens when your players do things that are unexpected, having characters that are fleshed out, that have their own motivations and things that they're doing is the easiest way for you not to have it written down in extra excruciating detail but like just make it obvious oh yeah no he's trying to build a fence so he's gonna probably maybe go to the hardware store you know it's like then you don't have to write it down because it's like you know what he's trying to do so then you just make it make it fit you know yeah and i think one thing that i've started doing recently which has been really helpful is just the the like intro sequence to each each um session and Mm. i make it more like a little bit I, I put effort, it's not just, oh, and you started where you left off, go. Right. It's more like, oh, and you're doing this or like, oh, this was the goal from last time. And uh-huh. I do a little like, I, I usually write a little mini paragraph about like an introduction to the session, which seems to right. sort of, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to say it pushes the players in a direction, but it sort of gives them some momentum yeah. to be doing something. Yeah. I liked um, when, when I do real games and stuff, I would have a real player recap the events and then i would help them and and fill in if they forget things i would fill it in and then also add the details that i want to highlight but mostly just let them go after it because usually when that person starts then other people will help it out and then it's kind of they're together piecing so it's like they're the ones that are bringing themselves back into that mindset and i'm just kind of like guiding it along but i think that definitely you i mean just because there's so many minute details especially over the courses of three or four hour game i mean who knows how long you play it but you know there's a lot of things that happen that you forget and everyone has a different experience so it, you you kind of put it back together to pick it back up so yeah. that's cool i don't know where why why were we talking about that what are we doing here <laughs> um do you do you think you have any real weaknesses or anything or do you have any challenges that you consistently face i think i think doing interesting characters like presenting interesting characters i think i can write an interesting character but i i really like i have to like make a sticky note and put it on my thing saying like do a voice for this character like because i just i i think my whole group we sort of i don't want to say we're like a bit shy i guess and and D &D has definitely opened us up more Mm -hmm. playing together and being Mm -hmm. a bit silly and being more open to that but i I still struggle to like do a voice. Like I feel a bit embarrassed and right. I, I really want to. And I think there's been times when I've done it and it's worked really well. And like, but I, I don't know, that's sort of my ongoing like issue with D and D for me is something mm. I really want to improve. And well, uh, how do you, so you're, you're a crazy, crazy cool art guy. I mean, I really love your style. It's, it's, it's lovely and good and it's the best and you got to check them out. What's your, what's your Instagram? Uh, it's at Bodie H at Bodie H or H as I would say. And um, you got to check it out. But so you're an artist. How do you do you integrate your art into the stuff that you do for your D&D games? Or is that just kind of a separate endeavor, endeavor like a, a, a focus for your art? I think like originally when I started the this six year long campaign, 
I used to draw a lot, like for、mm-hmm. the for that campaign. Right. I, I think it was、um, like I would do little, you know, like the little pawns, like the little cutout, like yeah, the little mini mini miniatures. Yeah, I used to、chest. do. A batch of those every game,、uh-huh. like so. Wow, if、okay. I knew they were coming up against like some little flame monsters, I would draw some flame monsters, like a bunch of rats.、Uh-huh. Had all the characters. I think I had one of our characters. Often was enlarged by the wizard, and so I did like an enraged, like enraged enlarged version, just a、uh-huh. regular enraged version, and like all the. It was way. Too much. Like it was great at the time. I never thought about enlarging a raging character, but that's pretty smart. I think it it worked. I'm not. To, I'm definitely not a rules person, but it definitely worked as like a power thing in 3.5 more so than it does in fifth edition. It's more、oh, of、yeah. a. I think my players would still do it in fifth edition anyway because it's awesome. Sure, but yeah, it is awesome. <laughs> Yeah. So, but you do it less. So now it's just kind of like it's it's more you you express yourself using kind of like D and D themes and in in the realm of making D and D slottable content. But it's it's kind of separate from your actual DMing now. I think I try and like I don't make it specifically for my own games. I、right. I, I think because I don't really, especially because of the separation.、Uh-huh. I like、um, theater of the mind for my own game, and I find. Oh yeah, okay. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I like using the props more as an inspiration, and a lot of the in- art I do, I th- I feel like is more for DMs to look at and、right. be inspired by, rather than necessarily presenting it to their players. So,、mm. I don't do a lot of the drawn stuff for my own game because I don't show it to my players. So、right. I, I just do little squiggles and stuff for my own games. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, so that that brings up an interesting question. How do you what what props and what kind of materials do you use when you play it at home? And now that you're abroad, do you use the same stuff? You said theater of the mind, so that suggests that you might not use maps or at least minis and maps. Yeah, I, I mean, shortly、uh, we used it for a bit when we switched to fifth edition, but like grids and minis and stuff, but、uh-huh. always just like representative stuff, like never an actual well painted mini. Right.、Um, but we just. I kind of just wanted to encourage more, like thinking about. I felt like people were leaning too much on the maps when we had、right. maps.、Uh-huh. So if,、um, yeah, we just and now we use a like a multiplayer whiteboard for very rough. Like if they're not quite sure about how the dungeon is shaped,、uh-huh. I'll. Um, do a little sketch of the dungeon, but other than that, it's all just voice, just talking. So, do you still prepare the dungeons the same way now that you do that and you just draw them, or do you do? Do you think you do less,、uh, less explicit kind of detail work now that you're not、um, having all these maps that they're being presented?、Uh, I, I still, I still do sketches of the, all the maps. Right, I the think if,、way. if anything, I like to like. Be efficient with my my time, and I'll usually do a little dungeon that I'm gonna finish off later for like posting on Instagram or like my Patreon、mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. Um. So, well,、uh, you got this thing. I like I mentioned it before, but you got Slow Quest. Is I mean, I would know it as a, a series of books that you've you've had printed. You gave me one of them. I think you sell them or something. Yeah. What you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure.、Uh, I mean, Slow Quest was sort of a. It's it's taken a weird path. It was originally meant to be like a a play by mail like D and D game where、mm. I got random people from the internet to sign up and play by email. But it so that's the slowness of it was this really slow game. But、uh-huh. then it just changed slowly. Like I started developing a world and ended up I wanted to make printed content. Right. 
that was interactive. And as much as like Pick Your Path adventures are quite limited, it was a really fun way to still present this like uh, an interactive adventure in a book. Yeah. And I just, I've just had such fun making these little like twisting stories. Well, what uh, you got a Patreon, right? Yeah, I just I just started a Patreon. Mm-hmm. So it's like a monthly pack of content. Like it's it's not specifically an adventure so much as just a place and a bunch right. of content for that place that maybe you would slot into your game somehow yeah. or just yeah, just enjoy. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I was thinking about subscribing. You know what? I'll probably subscribe now that I'm just going to put this out there. I'll look like a fucking asshole if I don't, huh? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that seems like a cool thing. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I, I just, I think it's, it's a cool, whatever I'm blowing smoke up your ass. Do you want to, do you want to plug anything specifically and explicitly? Well, um, the Patreon you can get to, it's like patreon.com forward slash slow quest. Awesome. Yeah. And you can see my website at slowquest.com. Awesome. And, uh, you could check out, uh, master manual. <laughs> it's on iTunes. Um, Oh hey, so why don't we uh why don't we do one of our famous segments? Do you want to do some animals? Yeah. Oh boy. Um okay, so uh, let's pick a monster. I know we talked off mic about a monster. What was it called? I can't think of it. I, I think it's the wolf in sheep's clothing. Like the wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm surprised there's not a shorter name for it. No, no. It should, it should be longer. Um, the wolf in sheep's clothing is an old school D&D monster that's shaped like, if I recall, a tree stump with a rabbit sitting on it. Yeah. Um, if you look closely enough, you might find it also has float like eye stalks extending out of the tree stump watching you. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's pretty gross. Um, I don't know exactly what attacks it has, but I didn't think it had crazy specific special abilities or attacks. I think it mostly just relied on uh, you not suspecting it because it's essentially a mimic, huh? It uh, looks like something and attacks. I think the stumpness of it was like actually part of it. It it had like evolved to look like a stump, but then the the extra bits were sort of the disguise. Uh Uh-huh. But um, I I don't know. I I honestly don't know its actual attacks either, but I assumed it just like cuddled you to death. (laughs) That doesn't sound (laughs) scary. So that's what a wolf in sheep's clothing is. It's like it's it's not a mimic, but it's very similar to a mimic. Apparently, I looked up online. They can maybe lay eggs in you like uh, you uh, you grab the the bunny rabbit and you're like, ah, this is lunch. And then you eat it and then it's full of fucking eggs and then you die or some shit. So that's that's what the wolf in sheep's clothing is. What do you want to what do you want to do to it? Huh? I I was thinking something like um, instead of luring you with like something cute. Maybe it's like um, you know the old gag with the the dollar bill on like a um, fishing wire. Oh yeah. Like maybe it has like a cool sword, and it like has it way way away, and it like slowly dangles it all the way, so you like follow it to it, and then I don't know. Maybe it maybe it like puts you to sleep to take your stuff to do like find better stuff. Uh huh. I think it should um it should it would be able to replicate voices and stuff. So it could make goblin snickering sounds. So it's like I know I'm being pranked, but I think I'm being cr- pranked by very weak monsters that when I find I'm going to kick their ass and get this badass sword, so it's all good. But then it's like then you just see a stump and you're like, "Wait, what the fuck?" And there's all these gems and now I'm unconscious? No, I don't know. So um 
Well, yeah. So primarily, it just is more magically enabled uh, then, right? Like, is it is it it puts you to sleep and it it kind of lures you more for like magic treasure and magic items and treasure and stuff. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's only using. Maybe it actually eats you. Like maybe it's only mm. getting the items to be better at luring. Right. Yeah, I'm into that. Um, what if uh, What if it also like it just um, it just loves like it loves the game. Like it's just it's like oh yeah, this is so great. And like it it, it tries to use the best treasure. Like it, it, it when it sees a, a guy, it's like oh man, that guy looks like he'd love this axe, you know, or something. So it prides yeah, itself yeah. in in doing the perfect uh, like uh, treasure traps for its victims or something. I don't know. And what about the um, what what's that the movie the recent movie um, was it Annihilation and it yeah. like it the monster like oh I don't want to spoil but there was something that basically absorbed uh-huh. sounds from its victims mm-hmm. so maybe it like that's the only way it gets these voices is it like to right. to have the goblin voices it actually like tricked some goblins into getting close and like yeah. mimicked them that's super cool. That's super cool. Um, gnolls, which are one of my favorite races. I really like gnolls. Um, I'll, I'll play a gnoll character almost any day. Um, in fourth edition, they had like a supplemental like PDF that I downloaded that talked about how like gnolls are exceedingly tricky and cruel and stuff. And so one thing that they do is they've learned to like mimic victims and stuff. And so they like really they'll they'll like pretend to be the voice of like a little kid and like lure people out and then they'll just be like a huge fucking seven foot tall hyena man and just <laughs> takes you out and i just think that's like such a cool fucking like trope is uh, you know in general like a mimic kind of trope is cool but like i don't know it just is so horrifying to think of like the most gross kind of evil thing just like being like ah help me out you know yeah i don't know it could be quite horrifying too if i mean it's a specific situation but maybe one of your party members ends up falling to this thing Mm -hmm. and then you're looking for them and you hear their voice and it's like a false sense of like oh they're over here clearly and then then you find their foot yeah to me when i'm imagining like this version of it it's almost like the trunk is like the mouth and um underneath the ground is like this huge kind of bulbous kind of chamber and like i don't know like in the most horrific versions of it you might see like an exploded like combinant combinant like uh like amalgam of corpse guts and stuff like spilling out of the oh. trunk you know it's like ah come with us you know kind of this this uh eldritch horror kind of vibe <laughs> that's just, horrific yeah I'm a... um i don't know we don't have to do that we're just brainstorming <laughs> i just want to draw it now <laughs> you got any final thoughts any any last i think we fleshed something out i don't know if this is what we were gunning for but uh, you know i don't know i like it yeah i'm going to use it you could use that in your campaign, and at the same time, original character do not steal property of Bodhi. Um, yeah, so let us know what you think. I don't know. This is, in theory, the first interview that's happened. What happened? This. Let us know what you think. Yeah, that'll do it. Have a great day. 